We need this series because a lot of us live life, and it's true, just stressed out and worried. Okay, and look to, look to someone around you. Okay, look at them. Say, you're a wreck. Yeah. And some of you are like, yeah, that's very true. That person is a wreck. But, but there are things like become a bigger deal than they need to become sometimes in our life. There are real worries and stressors that we have. The American Psychiatric um, Association a few years back, they, they listed off five big stressors. It was health, safety, finances, politics, relationships. I went through my notes real quick so they didn't get to put them up there. Um, but like just that first one, health. Y'all need to stop going on WebMD is the problem. Come on. <laughs> Like you get a bug bite and then all of a sudden you have flesh eating bacteria wound going to cut off your leg. But those things are stressors in our lives. Each one it really, there's some point in life when health, safety, finances, politics, you don't have to say much there. Here's what I have to say about politics, guys. We always criticize whoever's in charge. Maybe we should pray for them. Okay, we're Christians. We're supposed to be different and everyone else is criticizing. We need to go to God in prayer. Doesn't mean that we don't get involved, but one of our ways of getting involved is by seeking God. And that's just my rant. Um, In relationships, all of us know that crazy person that's always got drama. If you don't know that crazy person, what are you? The person. person. That's right. (laughs) But we go and in all these areas, we try to figure it out ourselves. We go to self-help books. We go online a lot to look things up. And maybe we need a better strategy. Maybe instead of running to, to try to take care of ourselves, maybe we need to go to the creator of heaven and earth, the king of kings, and say, God, I need you. Maybe before we run to look something up on our phone, we should run to look up to our heavenly father because maybe what we need to try, maybe we need to get back to just being a people who actually seek God in prayer. And many of us, though, this is what we say. I've tried prayer. I've done this. I have prayed before. And it just doesn't seem like it's making any difference. I have prayed before. And then we have another big struggle that comes in. We live in a world that is bombarding us all the time with distraction. Anytime we get just a tiny bit bored, we have this cyborg that we can pull out and attach to our arm, and we can just start scrolling. We become part robot, and I can just fill my brain with mind-numbing stupidity. And it just, what we've done is almost started to rewire our brain that any kind of silence feels completely foreign, and we can't deal with it. And so when it comes to prayer, and we say, sometimes you just need to sit in a quiet time, and just be with God, we think that's just boring. And I'm saying things that some of us are like, you should not supposed to be saying that. We feel like sometimes prayer is just boring. It's not making a difference. What is the point of all of this? And if I was to ask this question to Relevant Church, how many of you guys feel like you're killing it at prayer? You're like, I'm killing it at prayer. And if I was to take a vote, I'm not going to do this because I don't want somebody to look at somebody funny. But most of us, including myself, would say, man, this is an area where I could definitely grow in. This is an area where I could definitely learn some more in. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to speak to some of y'all men because sometimes my guys in the room have a much harder time with prayer because it's spending time communicating with somebody. And we're not always the best at doing that sometimes, but we're going to grow in this because 
Being a disciple of Christ means you're willing to take steps to follow after Jesus. And Jesus was a person of prayer. And there's a saying that says, if prayer feels dull and boring, maybe it's because our viewpoint of God is dull and boring. We need to get a better, truer, bigger, sweeter understanding of who God is. We need to just change our viewpoint. We're going to talk about what we need, and it's a, it's a, it's a secret sauce almost of prayer. And we're going to get to that a little bit later today. But before, as we start out our series, before we jump into our text, I'm going to give just a list of a few things about prayer. We always need to remember this first one. Prayer is not something you have to do. Prayer is something we get to do. You know, I say this a lot to my, my son, and he used this against me this past week. when I, He goes, I don't remember what it was, but he's like, this isn't something we have to do. It's something we get to do. I'm like, stop quoting me. But prayer is this thing that we get to do this. And as Christians, we honestly should be doing this. Something we get to do. Second one is this. God doesn't need your prayers. But you do. Somebody asked me recently, they said, you know, why does God need my prayers? And I I told them, he doesn't. God's not up there being like, man, I just can't survive if this person doesn't pray. How am I going to? That is not what God's doing. But he, you do need your prayer. You need to pray. You need to pray. It's better for your mentality, your spirituality. It's better for all the things. It benefits you. But in that, here's the third one. God doesn't need prayer, but he uses prayer to make things happen. Scripture affirms this time and time again, that God is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's in total control. But at the same time, our prayers make a difference. And if you ask me to explain it, I can't. I can't explain it, but just like he uses the rain to grow crops, he uses the sun to warm the earth, he uses food to strengthen our bodies, he uses our prayers to make a difference. He's the all-knowing God, but some, in some mysterious way, his will commingles with our prayers and it makes an impact and makes a difference. This fourth one, prayer is simply inviting God into what he already knows. Sometimes we try to hide things from God. Y'all can't hide things from God. Okay? He already knows that you cussed your kid out. Like, you can't be hiding that from him. He's not like, oh, I cannot believe they're dating so-and-so. He already knows. And prayer is just saying, God, I want to include you in to the good, the bad, the messy, the all of my life. It's just inviting him in. This fifth one. Prayer is less about moving God's hand and more about moving our heart. Because sometimes, I've heard this a lot, I told God what to do and nothing happened. God is not your customer service representative. He's not real good at taking orders from you. If he took orders from you, that would make you God. And let me tell you, you're not. I am not God. You are not God. God will take our humble requests. But God's not looking to be your assistant. He wants to be your Lord. So all of this, just to help us to understand, man, prayer is vital. It's so important to our Christian walk. I honestly don't know how we can be followers of Christ and not be people of prayer. So we have to figure this out. We have to talk about this. We have to understand what it looks like. And this is a question, even the guys that were spending the most time with Jesus, they asked Jesus, man, can you teach us how to pray? So guess who we're going to go to, to help us understand how important and how to pray? It's God and Abba. Jesus gave us a model of how to do this. So since you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. 
And Jesus is going to give us a model of prayer. But Jesus starts off by telling us, here's what you don't do. Here's what I don't need from you. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. It says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Jesus starts off by telling us what not to do, and he cuts straight to the point. Self, self-righteous religion is repugnant to him. If you're living a self-righteous, I've got to earn it to make it type of lifestyle, he's like, no, that is not what this is about. Jesus, time and time again, gave this same message. He has no tolerance for pretension, for people who are just pretending. He says, I want you to be authentic. And right away, he says, if you come to me in prayer, like, don't be a hypocrite. And that word hypocrite is in the new, in your gospels about 25, 27 times. It's a Greek word. And all it really means is to act, to be an actor, to put on a mask, to play pretend. Jesus said, don't come to me that way. Don't, and what we do is sometimes what that means for us is just don't care so much about what other people think that you're almost putting on a show when you pray. And he says, the people that do that, their reward is they're seen by other people. That's their reward. I don't hear that because they got a reward. Other people thought, oh, wow, they're so good at praying. And God's like, I don't see that kind of prayer. Here's what this looks like for us sometimes. In 2023, here's how, because some of us are like, man, I don't know what that means to be hypocritical in prayer. What does that look like? Well, I can tell you what it doesn't look like. Some of my favorite people to watch pray are preschoolers and people who are brand new to Jesus who have had kind of a rougher life. If you watch a preschooler pray, man, they will ask God and talk to God about everything. They will talk to God about anything. They'll talk and they'll tell you while they're talking to God about their dad who's balding, their mom who can't cook well. They pray that they'd get a unicorn. Um, they'll just talk to God about everything. And if you ask them, can God do it? Well, duh, why not? They've got this faith and they just talk to God. And the same one that's true is a lot of times when people are just, they've had a rough lifestyle. Now they're on fire for Christ, man. Their prayers are sometimes the most, uh, most authentic thing you'll ever hear. One of my favorites, there's a guy, it's one of my favorite stories. He'd just given his life to Christ and this guy had come from a rougher past. Um, he had a colorful lifestyle, a lot of colorful language that he was used to using all the time. And we, you know, we're in a prayer circle together and it was like popcorn prayer time. You guys have ever been in one of those where it's like, you wait for somebody to pray and then it's kind of quiet. You wait for somebody else to pray. And so there was that kind of dull and then I heard his voice start. And he prayed and used words that was exactly the thing I would have expected him to be praying and using words. I remember it was just, it was, God, you are so blankety blank. Awesome. <laughs> God, I feel like blankety blank today. And I was like, oh my goodness. But he was, he was, this is who he was. God was still working on some things. And I remember thinking, this, this is not how we pray. And God shut that off real quick in my brain and said, this is not how you pray. But right now, this is how he prays. And I am more than pleased with this. 
And sometimes we just need to be real with God and take off the mask. And once in a while, you know, y'all, some of y'all cuss anyways. You might as well just say to God what you need to say. (laughs) Just say it to him. He's a big God. He's heard those words before. And, And all throughout Psalms, we see Psalms of praise and adoration. But we also see the God, what is going on type of prayers. Those are the prayers when we just take off the mask. It's like, I don't care what other people think. I just need to be real with God. You know, I've heard it all. I've heard people that you, t- and just be authentic, be who you are. Because I've talked to people who are calm and just kind of a quiet person. Then you get them in a time of prayer and they're shouting and acting all crazy. And I'm like, what happened? They are modeling something they've seen, not being authentic to who they are. And so what I would tell you is when you strive, when you pray, strive for an authentic approach, not a perfect performance. A lot of people, when it comes to praying in front of others, they don't want to do it because they're afraid they're going to do it wrong. Just be authentic with it. Just be, don't try to perform. Just what's on your mind? What's on your heart? And if it's just three words, it's three words. Don't think you have to fill up some time quota just because other people prayed a long time. Just, just pray. Remember, so our performance Our performance and how we pray, that's, again, that's not the secret sauce. We're going to get to that a little bit later. But Jesus is wanting to shut something down because the religious leaders in that day basically said, here's why God isn't answering your prayers because you're not good enough. If you had less sin in your life, if you performed better, then God would hear you. Then God would hear you. Some of you may have heard that at some point. The reason God's not answering your prayers is because you got sin in your life. God would listen to you if you would just stop doing this, that, or the other thing. Let me encourage you with something. God doesn't answer prayers because of our reputation, but because of his. It's not because of our righteousness. It's because he is righteous. It's not because of our goodness. It's because he is good. So Jesus continues. He says, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your father who's in secret. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. Remember the first one. He said these, some of these guys are out there and they're praying these big prayers to be seen. And their reward is other people saw them. He said, but when you go and you humbly approach God, just you and God, guess what your reward is? You're seen by God. What an incredible reward that we just overlook this. He is the all-powerful God. And when we come to him just in a quiet moment of authentic prayer, his attention is on us. He sees us. When you pray humbly, you're rewarded with God's attention. There's no better reward that I'd want than just the attention of the one who can do anything and everything. I'd much rather have the attention of God as a reward than the attention of man. Jesus goes on. He says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they'll be heard for their many words. So Jesus is talking into his culture of the day. And some of the other um, non-Jewish religions, you know, they had pagan gods. and, And they would just cry out for hours just saying things. Because they, in their mind, they had to wake up their God to get him to move. You know, it's kind of like in the Old Testament and there was this story of the Baal worshippers and Elijah and the Baal worshippers are dancing and cutting themselves and trying to get 
their God's attention. And Elijah walks up, he says a simple prayer and fire falls down. And Jesus is saying, you don't need to be like these guys just babbling and going on and on and on and on. And to me, who doesn't like babbling, I'm like, thank you, Jesus, for saying this here. (laughs) But we got to remember when we, when we come, sometimes we think, and these people in these days thought, if I just keep talking and talking, then God will pay attention to me. We just already heard. God pays attention to us when we come to him humbly. In just a quiet moment, his attention is already on us. We don't have to use a bunch of babbling. And the way this looks for us is, as Christ followers, because I think we can apply this to us, a lot of times we use just empty phrases that we've heard other people say. We have this Also, we have this wrong assumption that prayer is just a one-way conversation. And so if I want to pray more, that means I need to talk more. And so if I need to talk more, sometimes I run out of things to say. So sometimes you just start babbling, and it's kind of like a hot dog. There's not a whole lot of nutrition in there, but there's a whole lot of filler. And that's what I've told people before. I'm like, we don't need hot dog prayers. Hot dog prayers is a lot of religious jargon and just a lot of filler. And technically it's prayer, but its spiritual value is kind of questionable. And again, this might step on some of y'all's toes, but it's not about filling up time. It's about spending time with God. I remember a person that was new to the faith and somebody was up preaching and they were talking about, they gave a specific, like I prayed an hour yesterday or whatever. And I remember them asking me, am I supposed to be timing my prayer time? Because I have not been doing that. It's weird the little things that sometimes we think are normal that a person that's just come to faith, they're not timing their prayer time. They're just like, I just need to talk to to God because you told me he listens. It's not to beat you all up, but don't try to fill a quotient. Try to have a relationship. So, okay, I'm going to step on toes for a second because I don't care. I think it's funny. Um, because this is a prayer that I've, we've all prayed some prayers sometimes that are just, we've heard it a lot. And so we just say the thing and it's actually not a bad thing, but sometimes we don't think about what the thing means. I've said, I've said this prayer lots of times. You're about to go on a trip and you pray for traveling what? Yeah. Traveling, say some of you guys are safe. Some of y'all are good Christian Christians. You said mercies. You pray for traveling mercies. Or you pray, God, put a blank of protection around me. What? A hedge of protection. And I know what that means. You know, we want God to just make, just just keep us safe. I said that to my son. He's like, are we getting a plant? Like, what are we doing? (laughs) And we pray for traveling mercies. Like, does the mercy, is it okay if it stops when I sit on the beach? Like, is it just when I'm traveling that I need mercy? It, we just say these things. And I've said them. I'm sure a lot of you have said them. But they're kind of just phrases that we throw up because they sound good. We do it a lot when it comes time to eat. Yeah. Again, I'm going to really step on toes here. We say, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of my body. If you're eating broccoli... The prayer's already answered. There's going to be nourishment in there. God's like, yes, it may make you a little bit gassy, but I gotcha. Nourishment is coming. But it's an empty phrase when we sit down with a donut. Yeah, fat and fried sugar, like, and we say, God, 
to the nourishment of my body. And here's the answer God's going to give you. No, (laughs) that is not nourishment to your body. But we just say these empty things because we've heard them so many times. Honestly, if we're eating donuts and broccoli, we need to be praying for traveling mercies in our gut. (laughs) A hedge of protection when when we are digesting those things from the people. Yeah, anyways, sorry. But it's, it's, I'm not saying it to tell you that you're doing it wrong, but sometimes we just need to pause and say, we just need to ask ourselves, why am I saying this? What am I actually saying? What is the purpose and point of this? And if you've got it and you feel like God's really put that on your heart to say to him, that's great. But Jesus is saying, I don't need you to just babble on or heap up empty phrases. An empty phrase is something that we just say that we have no real context or understanding of what it means. And so question, your, question yourself sometimes. Am I just praying this because it's a, it's a hand-me-down prayer for my grandpa? Or is, do I really understand what this means? Because I don't have a problem with us praying for, hey, God, when we're going on this journey, we just guide us, direct us. God, as I'm eating this food, thank you, God, for the blessings and the nourishment that you've provided. But when we just say empty things, it's just something to say. So let's try to get away from those type of things. And then Jesus says something that really just, this is why we don't need to go on and on. It's why we don't need the correct words. It kind of pulls the rug out from underneath a lot of us of why we pray at all. And I think Jesus says this on purpose. Verse 8. He says, don't be like them. And then he says this phrase. Your father knows what you need before you ask. He said, God already knows what you need. So a lot of us say, well, if God already knows, then why do I even have to what? Why do we even have to ask? Why do we even have to pray? If God already knows, what's the point? Why do I pray at all? If God already knows me, if God already knows what I need, why in the world should I even pray? If God already knows, why do I need to pray? And this is a big, huge question. And I get this question a lot. And this verse right here says, he already knows. Well, first off, let me clear something up. If we believe that God is omniscient, which means he knows everything, why wouldn't he already know what you need? He is God. So he already knows. He knows the future, the past, the present. So God, if he's God, is already going to know what you need. So that's part one. But some of us think, well, then I just don't need to come to God in prayer. He already knows. So, you know, whatever. He knows what I need. I need you guys just to, to lean in and think about something. Really listen to this. I want you to think back to the very first book of the Bible. The very first book of the Bible is Genesis. God creates, he puts man and woman in a garden with him. And it says, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, and they spent time talking with God. Now listen to this. Think about this. In that time, there was no need. In that time, there was no sin to confess. In that time, there was no strife. So all those needs that we think is the only part of prayer, obviously we're missing something. Because there wasn't any of that and they still spent time just talking with God. But here's what I think many of us have reduced 
prayer to informing God of our needs, our wants, and our wishes. It's mostly, it's all about what do I need to speak to God about? I need to talk to him about my needs, my problems. Here's what I need healing of. Here's me confessing my sins. Adam and Eve just spent time and there was none of that. And here is what you guys need to know. One day, there will be no more needs. There will be no more sins to confess. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more suffering, but there will still be a God who wants to have a relationship with you. What are you going to talk to him about? So yeah, God already knows what you need, but that's not the only part of prayer. Jesus is about to start a prayer and it doesn't even talk about our, like he doesn't get to the needs till towards the end of the prayer. Because we have this misconception of prayer is just me coming to God about needs. And God's like, I just want to spend time with you in the cool of the day. Because if we don't get in this type of habit, we're missing out on something big. It's kind of, think of it this way. There's a married couple. And the married couple has kids. And the married couple, once they have kids, their life, let's just say this married couple, their life starts to just be all about the kids. They talk about the kids. They spend time with the kids. The kids' needs are the most prominent thing. The married couple still goes on date nights together, but all they go on date nights and they talk about is the kids. Everything revolves around the kids. One day, guess who grows up and leaves the house? The kids. Now what's going to happen to that relationship? That relationship wasn't built on, on trust and love. And it was, it was just built on a foundation that one day was going to not be there anymore. One day, our needs are all going to be met. Sickness is going to be gone. And we need to have a foundation with our relationship with our God that's just, we believe God is good. I believe God is loving. God, I just want to, I want to walk up and say, man, look at those clouds. God, good job on the clouds. That's awesome. <laughs> just spending time with God. So I think the major question is, is prayer how you try to use God or is it how you seek to live with him? Because if we think of prayer as just how I get God to do things and God wants to hear about our needs. He does. He wants to know and hear us confess our sins. He wants us to pray for others, but he also just wants to be involved and spend time with us. Your prayer life is at its best when it's simplest, when it's just enjoying God, when it's just enjoying the world he created and doing it with other people. He invites us to just praise him, to worship him, to be like Adam and Eve. Some of us need to go on a walk with God and just in the cool of the day and just say, okay, God, what do you want to show me? Because I can just imagine God just walking with them and talking with them. And that's the relationship that I want to have with God in prayer. That I, I live in a world where there's brokenness and there's need and God wants to hear that. But at the same time, he wants me to just invite him in. And your prayer life, what we, a lot of us do, that's why I brought this up here today is, you know, somebody once told me, here's what we try to do. We try to segment out our life. And so I'm only going to ring one bell at a time. I've got work life. I've got my family life. I've got my prayer life. And we keep things, we try to keep things segmented. And, you know, it's kind of a modern day society type of thing that we have home life, work life. We have these different segmented times. But how many guys know segmented life is not something that really actually exists anyways? They all kind of pour into each other. 
and we do our best to not bring our work home. We try our best to just have specific time in prayer. And it's like just ringing these bells. And as we get older, the line of bells seems to get longer and longer. And we're running back and forth trying to ring all the bells. This is what our life actually is like and should be like. All these bells are connected together. When I ring one, it rings the others. Prayer needs to be one of these bells that no matter where we go, no matter what we do, it's just a part of us. It's something that we include in everything. When I go to work, God comes with me. When I go to school, God comes with me. Whatever I'm doing, God's there with me. In my car, when I'm mad, when I'm frustrated, when I'm happy, it's just the bells are all ringing. I'm not trying to live a segmented life. I'm trying to live a life full of prayer. Your prayer life will struggle if it becomes segmented time when you bring your lists of needs to God. The ultimate goal is to include God in all that we do. Again, there's nothing wrong with setting aside specific time in prayer. If you're a person that's like, man, I've got my time I set aside, that is awesome. Don't stop doing that. But don't let that just be a segment of your life. Include God in all the things. So there's this story. In 1982, Billy Graham was going to be on the Today Show in New York. And so he arrives to be on the Today Show, and they're going to interview him and talk to him. And when he gets there, one of the producers tells Billy Graham's assistant, hey, we've set up a private room so that Reverend Graham can have a place that he can pray. So that he can sit there and he can have some time in prayer. And the assistant says, hey, thanks for the, for the gesture, but we don't, he's not going to need that. And the producer said that he was surprised. He's like, I would think that this great reverend would want to have some time, spending time in prayer before he goes out on national television. And, he, and the producer says that to the assistant. And the assistant says, Mr. Graham, Pastor Graham woke up and he started praying. When we drove here, he was praying. When he got to this building, he was praying. As he's being interviewed by you, he's going to be praying. Because he believes prayer is just spending time with God and he invites God with him everywhere. That's the type of prayer life that we need to just strive for and to have. That's what Jesus is speaking of at the beginning there when he's just saying, here's what I don't need you to do. Don't go on and on. Don't be a hypocrite. He's just saying, I see you when you're there. So seek, this is Dallas Willard says this. He says, don't seek to develop a prayer life. Seek a praying life. A prayer life is a segmented time for prayer. You'll end up feeling guilty that you don't spend more time. Eventually, you'll probably feel defeated and give up. A praying life is a life that's saturated with prayerfulness. You seek to do all that you do with the Lord. So the beginning of our whole entire series is, is we start thinking about prayer. Start thinking, how can I include God into just my normal routine? My normal day, acknowledging him throughout the, the, the day. Still spending time, because he said, when you pray, come to me in quiet moments. So there's times when we need to just set aside and get quiet with God. But also, he just wants to walk with us in the cool of the day. He just wants to be there with us. And then he gets to the secret sauce. Jesus has created this tension and then he's, they're leaning in. He's got him where he wants him. And he says, pray then 
like this. And he says four words that change everything. It flips the script on everything they thought they knew about prayer. Everything that they thought that they understood. We just read them and they don't mean nearly what they would have meant to the people hearing these words. He says, our father in heaven. Our father in heaven. This is powerful. This is actually such a key component. Understanding this can actually revolutionize and change the way that we see God and the way that we pray. It's a huge, it's kind of that, this, what we've been talking about, it's this secret sauce of prayer. And this is what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about what this means. And today, I just want us again to really think, am I including God in everything? For some of you, maybe you've never really given your life You've never submitted your life to Christ and you've never understood that there is a God who just wants to be with me, to spend time with me. I don't have to, I don't have to perform. I don't have to, there's not some specific thing I have to do. There's not a specific prayer I have to pray. Guys, you want to know something? The prayer that we pray of salvation is not found anywhere in scripture. It's called repent and follow. We get this thing out of Romans where it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, what that was really saying is, if you're willing to take a stand for me in front of other people, it wasn't because for them to confess that they believed in Jesus meant that they were taking a stand in front of Rome and saying, Jesus is Lord. And so today, if you want to just say, Jesus is Lord and he wants to have a relationship with me, man, I hope this is your day. And if this is your day, it's a great day to do it because here's what we're doing after church today. We're going to spend time celebrating with people who have given their life to Christ. And if you even want to jump in and do it, we have baptisms right after service. It's a time when we can rejoice. It's a time when we can actually pray and say, God, thank you for lives that are changed. Let's include God in every moment of our life. Let's not live segmented little things. Let's just say, I walk with God. I talk with God. I'm a child of God. He listens to me. 